630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Here's the snap to Riley's. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly's. He's throwing. Go to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown, Eskimo. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. My goodness, was that the sun that came up this morning? Even though the Oilers have lost their last three games? Well, golly gee, I think it did. Meanwhile, the Edmonton Eskimos are off to the East Final for the second time in their history. An exciting win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats yesterday. How you doing, everybody? Happy Monday. It is 6.06 Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Good to have you along for the ride. We have open line time right now. And I urge you not to wait. We only have a one-hour show this evening. Morley Scott has the Eskimo show from 7 to 8. So if you want to chime in on uh, anything related to the Oilers or Eskimos, or if you just want to tell me something about your life, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. So the Oilers have lost three straight. They are 9-6-1 and one on the season. They have gone 2-5-1 and one in their last eight after going 7-1-0 and oh in their first eight. Personally, I, uh, I hesitate to think that the season is over. I hesitate to think that they're going to completely drop off the map for a few reasons. I think they're an average hockey team. Before the season, I said they would win 38 games. As the season started, I became more optimistic about playoff opportunities, given the relative weakness of the division. I mean, really, the Oilers should finish ahead of Arizona, Calgary, and Vancouver. So you're in a race with uh, Anaheim, San Jose, and Los Angeles for one of the three playoff spots in the Pacific Division. If they drop out of the top uh, three, yeah, it's probably going to be tough to get a wild card because the Central is pretty good. But I really don't think it's lights out for the team. I think they're going to be up and down. Their shooting percentage has dropped way down after being a little higher to start the season. That's probably the normal ebb and flow of a season. But don't take it from me. Here's Patrick Maroon after last night's game. Like I said, we talked about winnings, and now we're here talking about losing again and all the... Everyone's talking about how we're going to get out of it. It's, listen, it's a long year. It's a long year. We're going to go through times like this. But you know what? We, we're a team. We stick together as a group. You know, there's some positives, and there's also some negatives out of it. And uh, we just got to keep going. We got to keep grinding and stick together. We can't come in here and mope around and you know we just got to come here and stay positive come to the rink every day and making sure every guy in here is having a good time because once we start going away from that it's, it's going to be a long year just remember this about Patrick Maroon when he talks and, and I, I've, I've talked about this to death about what he said last March about the team going away in games and he, he lamented how they allowed an early goal in a game last year and went away. Now, clearly they're allowing too many early goals this season, five times in the last seven games scored in, on in the first two minutes. But I don't think they're going away, and I don't think they're completely boxed out of games. 
like they were last season. And I'm not saying losing is acceptable, and I'm not saying that it's a moral victory or anything like that. Just saying sometimes you're going to get a lot of shots and you're not going to be able to break through. And that's happened two games in a row. And remember this with Patrick Maroon. He played for Anaheim at the last season. You know how they started the year? 1-7-2. and two. You know what Anaheim's record was when he was traded to Edmonton? 33-19-8. and eight. So he's a guy that's been through some ups and downs at the NHL level. Jared on line one. Hello, Jared. How's it going, Reed? I'm doing well. Good. I've just been listening to like the radio most of the day as I've been working, and you kind of hear all this bashing of Jordan Eberle that he's a one-dimensional player and things like that. But I think the concern with Jordan Eberle for me is he hasn't grown as a hockey player over the seven years that he's been here. And, you know, one skill is, is never complete, and your knowledge is always, a guy's knowledge is always kind of lacking. But a guy like Nugent Hopkins, he's trying to grow as a hockey player to learn other elements of the game. And I think that, you know, Jordan Everly doesn't score. There's not, there's not much else he really can do. And I think that's the thing that bothers me most about him. And also the fact that I really think that if Connor McDavid wasn't the centerman on his line, uh, both him and Lucic would probably be about minus eight or nine because he covers up for them a lot. And that I believe that McDavid one day is going to win possibly the best defensive player in the NHL. He's just as good on the back check as he is on the fourth check. But Jordan Eberle somehow can't draw the connection that, okay, you're playing with the most talented player in the world. He's back checking hard, but somehow I don't have to. And that part bothers me a little bit. I just wonder comments on that. I think that's fair, Jared. I mean, I, I talked about Jordan Eberle last year, and, and I, I, I made that similar point, that if he doesn't score, he doesn't impact the game. And, you know, a couple guys texted in. I think somebody even called and said, Reed, you got to settle down. I mean, he has the capability to score 30 goals, and only about 20 to 30 guys are going to do that each year in the NHL. So so fair enough. He's, he's going through uh, a rocky stretch. I'm going to play something for you, Jared, and I'm going to put this on hold. This was Everly today asked about his ice time being cut in the third period yesterday. I mean, obviously, it needs to be better. Uh, I didn't have a great game, and... and uh... You know, we, we didn't really have anything going offensively, so that some had to change. So, um, you know, I think our team as a whole, that we created a lot of chances, but we didn't really get any secondary stuff. So um, it's kind of been the story of the last two games. So we need to try and get in the inside and get a little uh, get a little dirty, find some holes and around the paint. Are there specifics that, that he wants you to, to do differently? Like when you talk I think just, you know, things just needed to be changed. We, we weren't creating anything, and, and uh, you know, we were struggling, you know, defensively. We were getting scored on a little bit. So, um, you know, it's something you take to heart. You just move on and, and play better tomorrow. Now, in that, Jared, and, and look, i, I got to be careful here because I do not want to turn this into the let's pick on one player show, but I know yeah. he's, he's going to be a discussion point. I would have liked to hear him be a little harder on himself in those comments. He, yeah, he just, he just seems like, well, you know, if I'm on the third or fourth line, I'm on the third and fourth line. It doesn't really, like, there isn't that real, um, he's kind of like the forward version of Griffin Reinhardt sometimes, I think. You now, know, there's just... There's just not a lot there that you know. I don't think he ever even played in the playoffs when he was in Regina in junior year. Like he's never played a playoff game, and all this stuff doesn't really seem to overly uh, bother him too much. And even like the summer, he goes and he what does he do? He works on a one timer, I guess. But it's still you got to try to in today's NHL, you got to offer more than just one thing. 
you got to be able to do more because I mean he scores thirty goals, but there's other guys that do a whole bunch of other things that offer the team more. Like Nugent Hopkins, you can. I'm not a huge fan of Nugent Hopkins, but you can put him out in any situation, and he can do. But you can't do the same with him. And for six, six and a half million dollars, that's a lot to pay a guy just to do one thing. Well, fair enough. I think you got to remember he didn't get that money from this general manager. So yeah. I mean, I think McClellan has to use him how he sees fit, regardless of of the salary. Here's here's the issue there, Jared. As much as we talk about, and I talk about it too, all the little details that go into playing successful hockey, whether you win or not, sometimes you'll take care of the details and still lose. We both know that. As much as you have to take care of those details, there's nothing as valuable in being able to, as being able to score a goal. And Tyler Pitlick has flat out missed a couple of great opportunities that could have changed the complexions of games both last night and in Pittsburgh. Chances where you look at them and say, maybe Jordan Eberle finishes those. So there's the rub. Do you totally take Eberle off that line and put Pitlick knowing he doesn't snipe as well? Or do you just say, I'm going to put Pitlick out there because he plays with more energy? There, There's the decision that Todd McClellan has to make. And and if we polled all 14 people listening right now, it would probably be 7-7 about what you do. About, yeah, no, but I think you got to go back with him on the first line. But I always thought that this summer, instead of going after Lucic, they should have maybe spent their money trying to get somebody else that was kind of more of, um, I don't know what you would call it, not a Steven Stamkos type, obviously, but another star sniper to put with McDavid because I'm not sure at the end of the day how the Milan Lucic thing is going to work out because uh, you know, he, he's struggling, I think, and maybe he's losing a little bit of his confidence because he still definitely has trouble keeping up. He makes some very suspect uh, passes. And the one thing about Patrick Moore, I didn't realize how good he actually is like with his hands and stuff like that. Well, he, I, I think, he, I think mentally, Maroon has been able to read McDavid better than anybody else. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not, he's not the most. I mean, he's not Guy Lafleur, you know, shooting the puck and skating, but he just yeah. seems to realize I know where to be and, and I can recognize the soft spot. I mean, some guys just have that vibe, right, where they they yeah. they know what the other guy is doing, and I think he's able to read off McDavid better than anybody else. Jared, I got to run. Okay, thanks okay. for calling. All right. Have 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Jim is up next on the phone lines. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, Foo texting 630-630 says, Wow, Oilers are first place in the Pacific Division. Lose a couple of games and everybody's panicking. Really, guys? This is the best start they've had in many, many, many years. Relax. Big L says, People need to calm down about how the Oilers are playing. If it beginning of the season i was told on november 14th we'd be first on the division with 19 points i'd be happy everyone should be too you can text 630-630 jim is on the phone line hello jim hey Reed, how you doing doing great well before we get into the eskimos let's talk a little bit of oilers sure your comment about everly i mean that he was signed by a different gm things have changed now no matter who the gm was that was the going rate for these players back then six million dollars same as Connor McDavid, it's going to be nine or ten by the time he, after history, is. That's just how it is. 
So I don't think it would have mattered which GM uh, signed him for what money. That's what the going rate was back then. The, the other thing with the Oilers are really, you know, they're their worst enemy because he had such a great start that we as Oilers figure, uh, fans figured they're going to go 84-0. and zero. <laughs> I mean, this is a part of growing, uh, growing pains, and hopefully uh, they're better this year than they were in the previous years, and they'll learn from the mistakes. Uh, the other thing that I don't understand, too, is we can outshoot a team by 30 shots, but how many of those are quality? Uh you know, that's, that's a different ball. I guess we get into a comment altogether. But before I get into the Eskimos, uh, any comments on that or, or, or any thoughts? I, I actually think last night there were some fairly good quality shots and, and some rebounds that were available that they, they couldn't get to. I mean, um, you know, I think the good scoring chances were probably even. The Rangers clearly outplayed them in the first, and then they were able to get some good scoring chances off the counterattack as the Oilers continued to press. I mean, Dreisaitl partially fanned on one in front. Larson made that beauty pass to Lucic. It almost got under Ranta. Didn't get all the way through. Uh, I mean, they had some bouncing pucks in front. They, they couldn't convert. Look at some of the scrambles they had against Dallas. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's quite the same as in recent years where it was all shots from the outside with no traffic in front. I, I do think there are guys around the net. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's you know, some, some not finishing some good chances. Okay, now my beef with, you, with the Eskimos. I think they're very, very lucky that they won yesterday. Uh, this is a team that, if you look at it, this is the first time where they've blown the lead. Absolutely. Uh, they've lost. And I'm not sure yet or convinced that they have what it takes to put in a full 60 minutes because next week it's going to be tougher. And I, and I guarantee that if there had been any other team yesterday better than, than Hamilton, uh, they would have taken advantage of, of the situation. Uh, the Eskimos will be licking their wounds and be coming home now. Look, I, I don't know why, Jim, but the worst-case scenario for the Eskimos this season has been a double-digit lead in the second half. That has yep. been the worst-case scenario. It should be the best. I think part of the problem is is they still don't have a very good secondary, even though it's better than it was at the start of the year. And, it, I mean, I don't know why they weren't doing more more play action once White started running the ball like that in the second half. They got a break on a 50-50 call with the, uh, the Willis hit. I mean, I don't think that that was yep. roughing the passer, but that has been called at times this year. And then Kalaros made... Yeah, I mean, it, easy for me to say, but that's one of the worst throws I've seen a CFL quarterback make in a playoff game. It was Ladler was the only guy that had a chance in the ball, wet the ball. But they got through it. I'm worried about Ottawa. What's Ottawa's strength? The receiving core. What's Edmonton's weakness? The secondary. That's what worries me. Yeah, yeah and the other thing with the Eskimos, the Bradley is not 90 percent healthy. You sit him down. Sorry, what was that? If Bradley's not 90 percent playable he doesn't play yeah we'll know more on wednesday i think he's becoming a dad today or tomorrow so that's pretty cool i i don't think anything's broken uh, i think he i think he might be able to go because you saw him on the sideline he looked fairly comfortable well you know I, i'm a franklin fan uh, i can see this kid not signing with the eskimos when his contract is up i mean who wants to although he did play last game uh that's the only game he's played I believe uh, that he started, has he not, this year? Yes, he's under contract for one more year, but I do think yeah. he could be trade bait in the offseason. Well, I mean, why? And I don't blame the kid going somewhere. I mean, you learn all the stuff here, you don't get to play. I can see him going to Saskatchewan or Toronto, maybe. Well, Saskatchewan's probably going to need somebody. Thanks a lot, Jim. Good to hear from you. Take care.
All right. We also got Don on line one. Don, thanks for calling. Got a couple minutes, buddy. Hi. Yeah. Um, my thing is uh, uh, everybody's talking about jumping on and off the bandwagon. Well, I think the, the biggest thing is, like, yeah, I'm happy the Oilers are doing good. But good's not good enough. I, I, I want to see them get great, so I want to see them improve every game. And they're not improving every game. And the guy who commented on Jordan Everly, I particularly watch him because I like the way he plays offensively. But I tell you, he has he's worse defensively than he was two years ago. Uh, two goals directly his fault on the last two games. And I'm sorry, like he has to improve. How can you skate all the way back to your own end and not pick up the guy standing right beside you? I just don't understand it. So, Don, what, what do they do, though? I mean, he's on the team. I mean, he can score. He can, he can help you. What what is what do you do? Oh well, first of all, I I would drop him down to a lower line and maybe maybe let him think about it and maybe talk to him and tell him we expect you to pick up your guy. Uh, we also expect you to uh, to fight a little harder along the boards to get the puck out, mm-hmm. which is another thing that just kills me about him. Uh, the part about money, I, I I don't care what a guy's money is. You got to do the basic 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 stuff. Right. And then if he doesn't if he doesn't get those things for it, then I think maybe you have to sit him for a game and just let him think about it. We got we're, we're going to have a whole bunch of people coming back from injuries right away and we we got to see who's going to play and who's going to go down and all that. Perfect timing. Uh we actually have the benefit of depth. We don't have a we don't have a lot of scoring guys to put with McDavid. That's one thing that he definitely has going for him because I really I don't know who to move up with to McDavid except for maybe Tarvey because he just seems to be out-talenting everybody you put up there with. So Don, so Don 30 seconds, where are they going to go as a team? I mean, I, I still think this is probably what the season's going to be like. Up and down, average record. Yeah, I, I, at the beginning of the year, this is kind of what I was expecting. Um, uh, I, I expected them to, to be about, about where they are defensively. I expect them to maybe be a a, a little bit better offensively. Like they're getting lots of shots, but yep. uh, no, no good shots. Like no, like a lot of them shots are from outside. Last night though, they did have a few chances. You could see New York was tired because in the third period they were taking it to them, and, and New York didn't have anything in the tank. Sure. But in the first period, they came out and just took it to it. Well, New York's better than than Edmonton too, right? The Rangers are a flat out better team right now. So, so uh, I think the Rangers are the best team I've seen this year. They are. I don't care what anybody else's records are. Like they are the best team. Don, I got to run. Call any time, okay, buddy? Again, thanks. Bye. All right. Matt from Section O is up next on the open line. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Monday night football underway between the Bengals and the Giants. No score just started. Tampa Bay leading the New York Islanders in the NHL 3-0 late in the second period. That's the only game tonight. Your scoreboard presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. All right, so uh, Oilers and Ducks tomorrow, 6.30 face-off show. 8 o'clock for the drop of the puck, so we'll have a quick edition of Inside Sports before that. Eskimos at Ottawa on Sunday, 9.30 pregame show, 11 o'clock kickoff. I'll bring in Matt from Section O in a minute here. I just want to catch up on some texts. 
messages to 63630. Steven says, hey, Reed, Eberly has been first or second on the team in points for five years. This year he's second again. He's known for getting points, not his defensive play. So why are people wanting to run him out of town? This isn't a shocker. Yes, he's made some big mistakes, but so has others. JoJo says, Eberly is so overrated as a sniper. He's missed so many glorious setups in the last few years. 20-some goals is not that impressive for a guy always playing with the best players and on a power play he's a decent scorer but no sniper Norman the Combine says love the show don't give the Eberly haters any time he is who he is scores goals in bunches not going to throw a ton of checks 150 foot game is what he plays go Oilers go that's from Norman the Combine Chris says, good evening, Reed. Lucic has to be a concern. No hands whatsoever. He's not intimidating anyone. Constantly getting caught out of position. And now he's showing a lack of leadership in getting the team out of this funk. That is from Chris. And, oh, there's one more I wanted to read. Graham says, hey, Reed. To tell you about my life, I said you could text in or just tell me about your life. He says, tell you about my life, got in a fight with my girlfriend, but our relationship is good, so we'll be okay. Also, how much are we missing Russell? That's Graham in Calgary. Well, good to hear you have a strong relationship, and sometimes making up from those fights is the fun part. And uh, I think the Oilers are missing Chris Russell quite a bit. I I mean, here's the thing. You know what you're going to get from Chris Russell. He's played... 500, whatever, however many games it is in the NHL. He knows what he has to do. He does it fairly consistently, skates well, able to get the puck out of the zone. So I, I do think they are missing Chris Russell. Uh, Want to just quickly play this from uh, Mike Riley after the game yesterday about his injury. It feels good. It feels good. Um, obviously, I took a pretty good hit in the game, and you know we went back into the locker room to check it out, but. Uh, you know, getting back out on the sidelines, I felt good throwing the football. Um, let them know that I was available if they need me to go back in. Um, you know, we put that last drive together, and James was doing just fine. So at that point in time, it was it was okay to just stay on the sideline, let the game finish out. <clears throat> but it felt good when I was thrown over there. So, so no doubt in your mind you'll play something? I don't have any doubt, no. All right. Well, of course, Riley's not going to have any doubts. Uh, we will see. They get back to practice on Wednesday. 780-496-0063. It's Matt from Section O. Hello, Matt. Thank you for calling. Hey, Rick. Me okay? I can hear you. Yeah, go ahead. So, I just want to read you a crazy stat that I just saw today. And I'm going to read it to you verbatim. And I want to get your thoughts on this. And it's really cat specific it's okay our games against the tie cats this year take 31 6 lead lose 37 31 take 29 11 lead hang on for a 29 26 win take an 18 to 3 lead and hang on for a 24 21 win which was last night in the eastern uh, semifinal. yep so that's a, so that's a total of 78 to 20 in leads followed by being completely dominated by the tie cats in the second half of all three games 64 to 6 okay now, statistically this year, the Eskimos have struggled coming out of the gate in the second half, and we've, we've, we've blown a bunch of leads, and it's not just against the Ticats. We blew a lead against Saskatchewan, and early on in the week, we blew the lead against Ottawa. But 64-6 to against the Ticats, people that were watching the game yesterday, that just tells me one thing. And it's not so much that the Eskimos come out of the gate struggling in the second half. It's Jeff Jeff. Reinbold and Orlando Steinauer are very good, actually amazingly good at making second half adjustments. 
So, how do the Eskimos need to play against Ottawa? Basically, you got to put the foot on the throat and crush them all the way through. Uh, we got a little bit away from the run game in the second quarter, and the Ticats started marching back. Boom, right back to John White. Uh, the Ticats trotted out just a completely horrendous secondary, and thank God that they had the weather on their side, or Mike Rowley would have torched them for probably over 10 million yards, because that secondary that they produced, if you looked, they were playing zone coverage. Well, I'm not a football guy, but the way me and my brother were looking at it, everything was underneath them, and Adarius Bowman was wide open down the sidelines on a couple of plays, but Riley's not going to throw that long ball into the wind. It just, it just wasn't working out that way. I've looked ahead at the weather for Ottawa, and it's going to be four degrees and rainy. So yes. here's the thing. If Mike Riley is not as hurt as he says he is, and it's his non-throwing shoulder, as I make the sign of the cross right now, I do agree with that previous caller that you had earlier. If he's less than 90%, I'm putting Franklin in. Because Franklin can throw that long bomb. And he's deadly accurate with it. And we saw it against Toronto. What is it, in your mind, Reed, for the Eskimos to stick with Riley the entire way, knowing that that shoulder's banged up, not knowing how banged up it may or may not be? Okay, so you're asking me how... How I How would do you use... put Franklin in? Because so, I'm going to put Franklin in if if Riley's any like if if his throwing is compromised in any which way because you can't rely on John White anymore. You because Ottawa's going to figure it out to stop him and it, it got yeah, shown against hold, Ottawa. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, the Eskimos have been running the ball well the entire second half of the season. Yes, I know that, but as I was saying earlier, with the second half adjustments. Ottawa, and especially the yardage that John White, Ottawa is going to do everything in their power to stop John White, which, again, is going to open up the long ball. Look, I play, as long as there are no obvious inhibitors to Riley, I play him. You wouldn't put Franklin in at all? It is absolutely my preference to play Mike Riley if there is nothing inhibiting his throwing motion. Well, practice this week is going to be very interesting. Yes. Because if the reps are split, then you know that Mike Riley is more hurt than what they're leading on to be. But like I said to Dave Campbell on the show uh, points after yesterday, Mike Riley played the 2014 West Final with duct tape holding his leg together. So again, with him not to start that game, it's like he's going to have to be hurt something serious. For him not to start that game, but like I said, if I'm Jason Moss, I have like Ottawa's coming down hard on White. We know that. We we got to get the long ball going downfield, and and I understand the wind played a factor, but Daryl Walker had what? I think it was three passes the entire game thrown so, to him. So yeah, and, he had three receptions. Bowman yeah. also had three receptions. That's that's why. They gotta use play action, and they and they gotta move Riley around just a bit, and 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 get quicker passes off. That's what disappointed me in the second half is that they weren't really using play action. I think they still could have done that a little more. You gotta keep in mind too that Ottawa also has a, a whole lot better secondary than what Hamilton does, and if and if we play in the if we play in the second in the second half against Ottawa like we did against Hamilton. That's why as soon as you get out to the lead, you've got to just crush him. We might get thumped in the East Final. But because I am a homer 
and a couple of phone calls I had a couple of weeks ago. Somebody called me, what, a Pollyanna? I think that was the worst. Was that, that on was my you? show or Dave's? I can't even no, remember. No, no, it, it, it was your show. It was back in the summertime. Somebody texted oh, yeah, me. Oh, that's right. You know, he's just a homer. But I am a homer. I am the Rod Peterson of the Eskimos. I, we are we are going to win the East Final, and we're going to be the first team to go to the Grey Cup. But But we can only do that if we utilize all aspects of the ball. Keep in mind, we also have a disastrous return game. Yes, it's and, awful. And 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 we saw that again. It doesn't matter who they put in the backfield. It it it's, it comes down to blocking schemes. So I mean, that's got to get corrected. And thank God we never uh, turned the ball over when uh, Zelstra fumbled it there. But if 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 we can roll all cylinders and and our defense is watching, they're not letting us down now at all in the second half, third half of the season, and now into the playoffs. Uh, I don't think we've had a game over 20 points, All right. 20, 21 points lately. But, yeah, uh, we're going to Matt, am I going to hear from you next week because i got to run here? See you all in Grey Cup. Okay, that is Matt, that's Matt from Sectional. Love his calls. Loves the Eskimos. Can't blame him. Ugly or beautiful, they won yesterday. That's all that matters. A uh, couple people asking about the status of Chris Russell. He's not going to be back uh, anytime soon. Kajula. Hendricks and Davidson will make the road trip, but it doesn't mean that they're going to play. Uh, Bubba says the Oilers traded the wrong guy. No way Lucic is Taylor Hall. Well, they didn't expect him to be. Reynolds says people lost their marbles because we traded Hall. He has five goals, seven assists, 12 points this year. People upset with Eberle's poor play? He has five goals, seven assists, 12 points this year. Huh? That's from Reynolds. Texting 630-630. Okay, Morley Scott's going to check in. He's going to get you ready for the Eskimo show. And uh, we'll go to the U of A for a second to celebrate a national championship. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 7-7 Giants and Bengals, Monday Night Football. The hockey game tonight, 4-0. The Lightning leading the Islanders after two. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630. Chad, want to congratulate our next guest, U of A Golden Bears soccer coach Len Victory on winning the national championship over the weekend. Len, welcome to the show. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you, and uh, thanks for having me on, Reed. Well, you know what? Uh, when I saw you guys won, I was like, well, maybe I should get the coach on the show. And Bob Stoffer said, absolutely, he's a good talker. <laughs> Who is, uh, me or Bob? No, you. well, we know Bob is. He said you would be. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, th- was it 33 years you've been on the job at the U of A? Um, that's correct. And how many national titles now? Um, th- that would be the third one, but... Uh, uh, we have featured in uh, another four final games. So, um, yeah, we've had a little bit of success over the years. Well, that's, that sounds pretty good. I mean, winning it the third time, how does it, how do, I mean, I know it's always with a different group of players and probably different challenges. How does this one compare to the other two, just the, the journey of it? Well, well, this one came a little bit unexpected. Uh, we knew we had a tremendous recruiting class. We had some uh, great first-year players coming in, players who featured with the FC Edmonton Academy uh, on successful Juventus youth club teams, 
as well as uh, a number of other players who have met with success either with their club or the various academies that are springing up in and around Edmonton nowadays. And um, But we thought it might take a little bit of time for them to come through because early days we were starting uh, five, if not six, first year or players in the first year of the program. Um, so it was a pleasant surprise when right out of the gate they started winning. And um, throughout the course of the fall, they found different ways to win, which was um, um, tremendous for us. And it culminated in the national championship. Do you hesitate to use uh, young players? I mean, is, is it your preference not to, or does it does it just depend on the guy and the year? Well, it depends on the, the quality of the player. And uh, we had no hesitation using uh, these young players in the lineup this year. And uh, um, I think it speaks volumes when Yanko uh, uh, Vong is a, a tournament all-star this past weekend. Um, Noah Cunningham, who's out of St. Albert's and uh, has uh, featured with the FC Edmonton Academy, um, is the MVP of the tournament, and they're both first-year players. All right, so you beat the University of Quebec at Montreal 1-0 in the final. Is it is it true because of, because of the draw, um, it was you guys against another top team right off the bat in the quarterfinal? What happened there? Well, we're not quite sure how the the bracket came around, but um, it did um, have us uh, up against York, and they've just won the last two national championships. Um, they were ranked for a good part of the season number one, and if they weren't number one, uh, we were, so we traded places one and two. So um, right out of the gates, we were playing... Uh, one of the top teams in the country. So it was basically one against two right off the right off the bat. Then, so you had to survive that to get going. Yeah, and you know it, it was a case of um, you're going to have to play the very best. Uh, all three games were very competitive, um, and if you're going to face uh, one of those better teams, um, as with anybody in the first game, because it's a must-win. Uh, you've got to get your performance right and uh, once you get past that first game you have a little bit of momentum that you can build on and and certainly we fed off uh, the win over York um, to find a way to to get past Cape Breton in the semi-final and uh, UQAM was um, they'd been at the national tournament each of the last four years and um, with the experience and uh, a great number of players in their fourth and fifth year of eligibility. They were a very experienced squad, so we had to pull out all the stops to overcome uh, UQAM in that final game. Well, great stuff. Len, thanks for updating us, and yeah, really appreciate that you brought a, another national title to the U of A, the third in your illustrious career. Thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports. You're welcome, and thank you for uh, having me on the radio, Reed. Right on. That is Len Vickery checking in, the coach of the U of A Golden Bears soccer team. They won it all. Interesting row. Yeah, because of the way the draw worked out, it was basically the top two teams in the nation playing in the first game of the tournament. They made it through, and they beat Quebec-Montreal in the final. Morley Scott is standing by for the Eskimo Show. I want to play this because I just love this clip here from Wally Buono yesterday. 
uh, asked by a reporter after the game about Jonathan Jennings uh, having a maybe a bit of a, you know, could have had a better game because he threw an interception. And, and why would you say that? No, no, but why would you say? Uh, oh, well, no, guess what? Guess what? I, I've yet to be around a quarterback that's thrown an interception. I mean, I've been around Doug Flutie, Dave Dickinson, Jeff Garcia, uh, you know, uh, Buck Pierce, Jarius Jackson. I mean, throwing an interception, guys, is part of the game. It's how you react after you throw it. You throw five, guys, that's different. You throw seven, I, I would have pulled him out of the game. He threw one. The defensive player made a good play. He jumped the throw. Okay, he was a cut corner. He jumped the throw. I, you know, if I want to get into all, you know, the, the whole idea of it is, hey, guys, they're professionals too. Ask Davis. What do you think their DBs are sitting there back there? They're reading the quarterback. Okay, when that guy throws the ball, they're going to jump it. Okay, but the point is, uh, sometimes it's the quarterback. Sometimes the receiver's got to do what? He's got to bail the quarterback out. Did the receiver come back to the ball? Do you even know that? He didn't come back to the ball. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, so don't do Yeah, Jonathan, guys, why do you always want to find fault? He made a throw. He got intercepted. God bless him. Okay? God bless him. Okay? God bless him. He had enough composure to play 59 other minutes in great football. Let's dwell on the positives. There's some Wally Bono from his post-game news conference yesterday. And uh, you know we do we do tend to do that morally we find the negatives. Tend, tend to, he won the game. What did he have? Three hundred twenty-nine yards, two touchdown passes, and he ran for two touchdowns as well. And did he not? But run he had for a, the winning what did, score. The reporter said a technically poor game because he threw an interception. Oh wow! Yeah. You know what? You know what? Jonathan Jennings got out of that. Listening to Wally Bono. I can throw seven interceptions before he'll take me out of a game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I got a lot of leeway here. <laughs> After seven, Wally will think about. No, I, 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 I love, I love Wally's perspective. I've interviewed him a few times, and he's just one of those guys he can kind of simplify it sometimes. We're saying like, okay, so the guy wasn't perfect. Well, we won. What are you supposed to do? And and he always says, he always says, I'd sooner win ugly than than lose pretty. And it's you know players are in a better mood, and it's easier to teach them mm-hmm. more often. Uh, when, when they win, I mean, he does. He doesn't lose his mind over one or two bad plays. You talked to him before the Eskimos played in Vancouver uh, yeah, last month, right? And I remember going to Vancouver and listening to him talk pregame uh, the day before the game. And I, I, just, I could listen to him talk football just forever because he's just so knowledgeable and he's just so friendly and he's just so uh, so neat to talk to. And I like the fact he'll he'll challenge the media sometimes too. Like a guy will say, "What do you think of your uh, your kick return team? Do you think you need something? well? What do you?" think of it do you think he was good enough yeah. oh you don't well here's why he was good enough and he'll explain it to you yeah. he's very good that way and as, as and he'll heard. always explain it. even yeah. if, if, if he gets a little yeah. testy he will he will explain it he won't just walk away or yeah. like they, some well they just want a thriller to advance to the final and the guys say technically poor game what's coming up here uh we're going to talk with justin Sorensen uh, of uh, the eskimos we're also going to check in with uh, don landry uh, of cfl.ca and get his thoughts on yesterday's games both thrillers and of course uh, wouldn't be an eskimo show without blake dermott so we'll talk with him uh, uh, briefly as well. Plus, a look back at yesterday's uh, thrilling Eskimo win. Eskimo show from 7 to 8. The debut of Charles Adler tonight coming up at 8. He'll be on 8 to 11 every weeknight here on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Taking off your clothes, taking off my- 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.